look, that one caught up with us a little bit. You know what we've been through in the past few weeks. Um, you know, that's our third game in six days. You know, two of those away from home. 10 or 11 MPL players in the squad. Um, you know, it's a it's a product of circumstance and it's disappointing. Obviously, it hurts a lot, but, um, you know, there'll be positives to take, especially for some of those younger guys. They learnt um, a lot of hard, you know, hard lessons tonight about what football's like at this level and travelling away from home and having to back up and, you know, the inconsistency of youth. That was Ruben Zakovic following an absolute drubbing for Perth glory at the hands of the Newcastle Jets. It was a shocking result. It was a shocking performance. There was not much to get out of it from a fan's point of view, but we thought we might go through it this evening. This is the weekly wrap, I guess, turned into a little bit of a round table about the uh, current circumstance that Perth glory find themselves in. My name is Blaine Treadgold. I am joined by Neil Sherwin and Tommy Dolman. Neil, good evening, mate, and uh, I wish we could talk about a little bit more positive circumstances at the club at the moment. Where's the fun on that? <laughs> we're, having, we're having a great time lately. We're flicking through all the rumours and the, the com- various comments that we've been getting. It's great for the social media engagement. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of people who are very passionate out there about for glory and football as a whole, which if we're to take a positive from is, is pretty good to see as well. So hopefully better times ahead, but we do need to get through the uh, the bad. Um, mm. There's quite a lot of that at the moment. Yeah, there is. Uh, Tommy, um, I guess it's a, it's a good sign that we've still got people so passionate, upset, angry, all the emotions. I guess it still says that people are still very, very much invested uh, in many different aspects with the Perth Glory Football Club at the moment. Yeah, people love the game, Blaine. People love the sport. We all love going to watch our team. We all love tuning in on on a Saturday night, and and we're all heavily invested in in it. And it is a very um, difficult situation at the moment, a problematic one as well, um, possibly with with some of the the implications going forward. But, um, look, there is still a a capacity for for people to, to really care about football in this state and and whilst we're not going to find all the solutions in in one podcast play and we can certainly discuss them and, and give some people some food for thought hopefully yeah i think it's very healthy to have a discussion i mean there'll be plenty of people out there and uh, possibly from various sections of, of the club that would prefer that we we weren't talking about it but uh, this i think this is what we're missing is some some decent critical analysis and i think that's what the club needs because many aspects nearly you'd probably agree that they need to have a, a long hard look at where this club, I guess, is existing at the moment and where they go on on the path forward. Uh, yeah, and I feel like we've done this before, right? Mm. We've, we've had previous, we've had bad seasons previously and it's come around to the same discussion points. But I think we spoke last week and my biggest concern this time round, more so than previously, is the apathy that we're, we're getting from people. And we have mentioned that there's plenty of people that are that are passionate and have lots of stuff to say about the game. There's also a large portion of people who are done having their say. Mm. They're done putting their hard-earned cash into the club and paying for memberships, especially this year of all years where where, you know, we've had a COVID-interrupted season and we're now seeing, for whatever reason, and there, there are valid reasons around fixturing behind it, but a home game being played in New South Wales this week. You know, fans look at that and go, I paid to go to that game in WA. I can't even get that. The team may be terrible, but at least I've paid my money and I want to go watch them. So you're looking at them not renewing for next season. And you're only as good as your fans. Um, it's a tired, it's a tired old cliche, but it is very much true that if you're not getting bums on seats and you're not getting people through the turnstiles, what are you playing for as a club? 
There was a, I guess, a comment today, and there is uh, there was an article written. I think Nick Taylor in the West wrote it, and it was. I'm paraphrasing here about fans calling for Tony Sage to leave the club. Uh, Tommy, you can't really blame him when you get situations like, I guess, the one that Neil's just suggested. That uh, obviously fans have paid for this home game. They've already missed out on once throughout the season. Is it a little bit tone deaf from the club? Um, no, not at all. I think it's understandable for, for fans to want answers um, for various reasons. I mean, some of the things um, are the, the club's own doing, but uh, but some of it also hasn't has been a little bit out of their hands. But um, this is a time now where the club obviously honestly find itself in arguably its most difficult position in the in the A-League era. I think it's fair to say uh, I completely agree with what Neil said before. Um, this one feels a little bit different, though. Um, Glory have been sort of down um, a couple of times in the past, but but this one really does feel a little bit different. And, and there's some questions that need to be asked, um, whether we'll get the answers or not is another thing. Um, but but really, there need to be some some changes now. Whether it be structured, well, across many different areas, I think not mm. just one. I think there's a number of areas that need to be sort of drilled into if we are to get some results going forward. What are the main questions, Tommy? I'm just going to pull you up on that one. What what are the main questions that you, as a as a Perth Glory fan, someone who loves the game in Western Australia, what would you like to, what answers would you like to see, or what questions would you like to see asked initially? Uh, I think I think what people want to see now is, particularly in these times where there is that little bit of apathy starting to creep in. I think fans want to see a direction, and fans want to see a a way in which the club's going to move. How are the club going to pull themselves out of this current predicament they're in? Which direction are they going to go in? There's there's questions about the ownership at the moment. Um, there's a lot of people calling for for Tony Sage to move on. There's uncertainty in the in the coaching. Um, position as we've seen this season um, already with Richard Garcia moving on Ruben Zadkovic is there obviously on a part-time basis at the moment but we don't know where that's going to go in the future and obviously that will be probably decided come season's end um, there's a massive list of player injuries at the moment um, which is pretty unprecedented really when you when you consider I know that all clubs have injuries but this seems like a massive mm. list that they're sort of trying to wade through at the moment and part of that might be through fixturing and then I think there's other things as well. There's there's structural issues within the club as well. It's it's how how do you want to move the club in? What direction do you want to put the club into going forward? How how do you want to lay out the structure of the club? Do you want to build bring in somebody from overseas? Do you want to bring in a technical director who's going to be a bit more of a link between the administration and the coaching setup and somebody to wrap that whole development system together? Or and, and then there's other things such as off the pitch as well, such as fan engagement and various other things that we've perhaps. Um, lacked on a little bit last season and, and obviously not playing um, playing home games over East doesn't help so there's, there's a myriad of things to be honest with you Blaine but I think that the structure is what fans want to see and fans want to see some sort of vision and, and plan put forward mm. and, and not a plan that was a, a five year plan that we saw sort of twenty circa 2016 2017 and I know COVID's probably had an impact on, on a portion of that but fans want to see a plan and, and, and want to see some structure and something to believe in going forward now I think and, and it's pivotal that in this off season we get that 
Um, Neil, I'm just going to uh, ask your conv- uh, your thoughts on, on that as well. And I think it's – I get the feeling even from a fan that it's okay to come out and say, look, this is what we're aiming for. And even if we don't get there, we'd love to have the fans kind of with us and along on this journey. There doesn't seem to be that connection, transparency, communication, if you get where, where I'm coming from with that. Yeah, well, like uh, I take Tom, Tommy's points are valid around, you know, fans just want a plan of places they can get behind. For years, we've talked about bringing in and blooding young West Australians. Now, that has happened this year, but that's not by choice. That's that's by the hand being forced because the senior players haven't been fit enough to play. And so I, I, while people are trying to find positives from the season saying, oh, we're giving all these young West Australians a chance in the first team. It's because they have to. Mm. If if every senior player was fit, how many of those MPL or, or West Australian blooded youngsters would be good enough to be in the first 11? I, I would argue that you'd probably be pushing for one or two at most. So this idea of bringing, of, of going with youth, it's not because they are all of a sudden great players who are pushing out the older players. It's, it's glory have no choice but to play them. And in that regard, I do feel sorry for Garcia and Zagovic because the injuries have piled up and that's down to um, partly poor recruiting as well. Mm. The amount of money that was spent on the Daniel Sturridge deal and and you know we, we've we've all had our say on that and everybody's been disappointed because we wanted it to work out. We wanted it to be something that we could hang our hats on and, and be a bit of a benchmark in terms of going after a big name player and, and, and reigniting some passion in and around the league and, and Western Australia and going to glory games and all of that. And it's been an absolute disaster and you know when Sturridge came he talked about you know growing the game and an opportunity not to just be a player on the park but I haven't seen Daniel Sturridge at any home game signing autographs for fans or for players apart from the first game against Adelaide when he came off the pitch and that was fantastic to see but he's meant to be a, a figurehead for the club and somebody that was brought in to be and Tony Sage has spoken about this himself a, a success from a marketing perspective mm. Sage insists that he's been a success in that regard I would argue the opposite because I have not seen Daniel Sturridge sit outside HBF Park signing autographs for fans, signing shirts, giving up a half an hour of his time. I haven't even seen him at the games, never mind actually doing a bit to, to, to have that relationship and interaction with the fans. I'd go, I'd go so far as to say it's been, it's been a disgrace that he hasn't been pushed to do it. And from what I'm aware of, it's uh, simply that he doesn't want to do it and the club won't challenge him on it. And mm. that he's just been a let, let basically have his, his holiday. And I think people now, now are, are realising and sit up and go on that with, what we get five games left to go. He's probably not going to play again. He's, we're, we'll have seen 94 minutes of Daniel Sturridge in a perfect glory shirt. It's a disgrace, and nobody has come out and, and, and held, held their hands up about it. They may do when he leaves and he moves on and his contract isn't renewed, and you know the, the, the people who brought him in have, have left with their tail between their legs as well. But the, the fans rightly have started to demand answers around this. Every time there's a team announced, where's Sturridge? Why aren't you playing Sturridge? I, I have a look at... Um, press releases that come from some MLS teams. They send out a release when a player gets injured and tells you exactly how long he's going to be out for, what treatment is being undertaken, and you actually have that that transparency. We talk about Glory's injury lists. We don't even get regular updates on when players are going to be back, Mm. how long they're going to be out for, what the injuries are. Now what that's led to is conspiracy theories that the players aren't injured. They're simply not being paid, so they're not going to play. And that's why the MPL players are playing. Now that could be a million miles from the truth, but my point is the club shouldn't allow this sort of thing to happen. They should be on the front foot and being transparent with the fans. And I think 
long, this is a really long answer to your question. No, you're right. For me, transparency transparency is huge, and Gloria are not being transparent with what's going on behind the scenes to the to the fans, and they're starting to get annoyed about it. And I guess that's that's where the apathy starts to kick in. Yeah, absolutely. Well, where's the care factor? If the club doesn't care about you, why are you going to care about the club? Mm. And and that's something that, that people w- have to realise is that, you know, in, from a club perspective, that again, it goes back to my point. If you don't have your fans, you've got nothing to play for. You are there to be a representative of the football community, of your supporter base. If they're not turning up to watch and you're playing in front of empty stadiums, and let's be real, we've gotten used to playing in front of empty stadiums over the past while for various reasons, the club cannot survive. And I really, really do, again, going back to what Tommy said, this does feel different to what mm. we've been through before. This is this is wooden spoon, rock bottom, absolute, like, people just walking away. Mm. That's uh, dangerous. Um, Tommy, we talked there about accountability. Is that I, – I almost get the feeling – and I'm going to go into this a little bit more in depth um, in a minute because I get the feeling that it's almost reflective about the league. There is no accountability for the league. There's no accountability for bad performance. You're not going to get relegated, you know, uh, so on and so forth. Is this reflective of a little bit more of that as a, as a wider conversation? Uh, well... Quite possibly, um, but I have seen that you've put some pretty strong views out on this, to be honest, Blaine. So maybe, maybe I'll let you hit on those points mm. first before we, we sort of delve into what myself and Neil think. Well, well my, my, I mean, guess my point is, is I mean, this was after the 6-1 six, six uh, drubbing yesterday, and it's the fact that there, there is no repercussions for such a poor performance. There is no accountability. There's no chance that a reset. Um, it's going to go... To, I don't want to throw this into a full rabbit hole of uh, the promotion relegation discussion, but I think it's reflective that there is no accountability in Australian football, uh, and there doesn't seem to be too much accountability at Perth Glory at the moment. As Neil suggested, There's we're not having the people come out that are in charge of these decisions, say, look, we got it wrong. Look, this is what we're doing to fix it. Uh, so I, I get that it's a little bit, you know, I guess that it's a, I find it a little bit reflective of the the wider conversation in, in Australian football at the moment. So I guess that's, that's where I was going with that. Um, I just want to go back to this apathy, uh, I guess, conversation. And we did put it out on social media. Um, if you've got any concerns, I said, well, the simple question was, we want to know what is the area of most concern to you, uh, the fans out there, as far as Perth Glory's current situation. And I think, Neil, you hit the nail on the head and it's not the first time i've seen comments like this and this is daniel on on twitter has said i have followed the club since 1997 but i am fast becoming a euro snob totally disengaged with the club and the a-league more broadly not even going to be bothered with the last three games of my five game membership after walking out at halftime last game that's that's a slamming statement of a guy that i know personally and has been around the club as he suggests since 1997 uh neil um, I'm just going to throw it back to you because I guess that reinforces uh, your thoughts that you know we're in dangerous territory at the moment. I just think we've got so many options uh, these days for entertainment. We we're not just competing and we talk about Euro snob and, and games around the world. Mm-hmm. But like I'm I'm a West Coast Eagles member, you know. Like I put my money into going to see them and I got to off the stadium. I've, I go to the Wildcats games and I can pick up tickets and I've been to some baseball and you know there's just plenty going on that I don't need to spend my money on 
Perth glory. And a lot of people, I think, are just starting to realise the same. And there's a, there's a few reasons for that. And not all of them are, are club controlled. I think the fixturing this year has been very, very harsh with so many Wednesday night games. And it's now, I mean, we're all involved in, in the local game in some way, shape or form. And Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays are training nights mm. for for grassroots, for kids, for for for, for parents, and for uh, people of, of our age that are out playing uh, and getting involved with with our local clubs, the way Glory are at the moment, there's not a chance in hell I'm missing my own training session to go watch Per Glory lose to get absolutely smashed at home like they did against Brisbane Roar a couple of weeks ago. I'm sorry, I just I just don't care that much. Mm. And and I think and and as much as I, I have such an interest in Glory being successful, when it comes down to a straight choice between my own club and Perth Glory, there's only going to be one winner. And unfortunately that's what you're competing against. You also have to factor in a school night and and all of that sort of stuff as well. But for me the what it comes down to is that if you're gonna play these games on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays, you've got to realise that you're directly not just competing against other codes, generally speaking, you're, you're competing against your own code. You're competing against the local clubs and the volunteers and the people that, that put their blood, sweat and tears into making sure a season can happen. And and that's what we've been faced because we've had our own challenges at grassroots mm. with, with COVID and games being disrupted as, as happening at the moment. The junior season was brought forward by Football West at very short notice. I've been dealing with it firsthand with my own club. It's been very, very difficult. Do I have time to give up a few hours to trek to HBF Park to watch Glory get smashed? No. I don't, and and it, something has to give. And what's happening now, not just with me, but with a lot of other people, is glory is the thing that's giving for them. They've decided that well, I need to sacrifice something during the week. I'm just not going to go to glory. Well, if I don't go to glory now because they're midweek games, why would I get a 13 game membership next season? Mm. You're starting to plant these thoughts of reconsideration in people's heads. Two or three three years ago, glory would have been a no brainer. Popovich era we're on a we're on a roll here we've got castro we've got a team full of current or ex socceroos it's absolutely amazing no disrespect to the current the, the lads that are doing their hardest to play but i don't blame people for not wanting to spend 300 dollars to watch a lot of mpl players run around mm. uh d- tommy let's those, those, yeah go on those but, but just on your point as well neil is that th- those people may be feeling disillusioned with with the glory but they're not being lost to the sport that there's a massive massive um football supporting base here in wa and there's people who who really do care about the sport i, I as somebody who works closely in the mpl space like that there's there's grounds particularly in the state league as you'll know neil that that, that get really good crowds into these grounds and there's people who are rusted on fans and they and they do like their regular 3 p.m kickoff on a saturday afternoon the occasional friday night possibly or a sunday game as well so so what what are we doing, I suppose, on a broader scale? And I know this is probably a lot going to need a long winded answer mm. from whoever answers it. But but why why are we struggling to connect so badly? And maybe it goes back to what Blaine's sort of saying a little bit in terms of that accountability, where we we don't have the pathways not only for the players on the pitch, but for for the supporters as well to sort of come together and sort of buy into something a, a, as a purpose because. We can't, we can't sort of just say that nobody cares about the glory. Maybe people don't care about the glory. Maybe I'm completely wrong. But I've seen 17,000 fans turn up in round one to see Daniel Sturridge play for five minutes. And there was a genuine excitement. There was this sort of sense of a new era. We've spoken about it before, Blaine, when, with the Paramount Plus thing and Channel 10 coming on board. There was some marketing at the beginning of the season, which is, has dissipated somewhat, particularly here in WA, I think. But... 
there was that degree of excitement. People were keen to go to the football. People were keen to go and watch the glory. And I know circumstances have stepped in, but people still go on a Saturday afternoon. I watched I watched a bit of the Dianella versus Judelop United State League game on the weekend, and there was plenty of people there, as there was across many other grounds. So, so there's something going on, and maybe it's something that's out of our hands, and maybe you're never going to convert those people back. But the appetite is there for football. We're not just we're just not converting that properly for a number of different reasons. Um, I'm going to pick you up, Neil, on that point because uh, you and I had a chat on uh, on my program on on Sport FM the other day, and I'm just going to throw this one out there because this is Michael Carboni on Twitter, and he says, "I reckon the club continue to take their position in WA for granted, given they have no competition, another second team, and all pro and rel pro, uh, promotion and relegation to." a national second division would influence owners or management's decision-making. Uh, Neil, particularly on that first point, this is something that you uh, brought up with me, um, I'm pretty sure, and that is Perth is the top dog in this town. It is, the, the, the I guess, the team that all young, aspiring, aspiring uh, WA footballers want to pull the shirt on for and seeing where that can get them uh, even further down the line, whether that's heading over east or whether it's heading overseas or, or what have you. Is that the case? Is just does Perth really know uh, how much power it has and how much, I guess, uh, does it take that position for granted in your eyes? Absolutely. It's a one-horse town. And, yeah, what the, the point I was making is that they get the, the cream of the crop when it comes to MPL juniors, for example. Every All the, all the best players eventually end up there and, one way or another and it's a pathway to go into the to the uh, the under 20s and then so and so forth into the into the first team and we've seen how many of those guys you look at the guys that are playing for um, for the glory first team now um, whether that's by accident or by design that are from WA they they, they Perth Glory wouldn't be their their original junior club. They mm. would have come from all over the place, and they've just been brought in in into that system. So it absolutely is. Uh, the, there's there's two ways of looking at it, and the, the way I look at it in the short term is that Perth Glory have no excuses for being dysfunctional and not being um, not being the the pinnacle because they've no competition. It's a case of this is our market, this is our stomping ground, this is we are the team. If you want to play at the highest level, you need to play for Perth Glory. And they really should be, you know, walking, strutting, chest out, the whole lot, giving it the big one about how how the, you need to come play for us if you mm. want to be a success. But the way the club is and the dysfunction behind it, it, it's a bit of a they've become a running joke. And that's where the long in the long term, uh, the the point that's being made about competition is absolutely correct. And if we are to expand the A League, and it is something that uh, that I I firmly believe needs to happen because. We do not play enough football in Australia, uh, generally speaking, from juniors right the way through to the, the A-League. There's not enough games in the year for that to happen. We need more clubs. We need a better national second division option for me. The national second division needs to be professional because uh, it, we, we need to have more spots available for players and more opportunities for them. There will be teething issues initially where the standard may not be as good as we would like it to be. But long term, you're, you're going to develop more professional players and and naturally you're going to have a, na- a bigger pool to pull from if you're looking at being a top flight team or you're looking to pull a national side together or whatever it may be. So long term Perth definitely needs a second uh, professional football team but while there's only one in Perth 
Park Glory are making a massive, massive mess of it and mm. have been for a long time, apart from a few anomalies, which is essentially the Popovich year and a little bit of success under Kenny Lowe. And even that was partly taken away because of the salary cap uh, debacle. So, you know, we haven't really had much success in the A-League era, even going, we had that season under Fergie getting to the grand final, but sustained success has not happened. I'm just going to throw this one back at both of you. I'll throw it to you, Tommy, first. And you, you mentioned the grassroots and how, you know, there's so many people out there that are involved in the game, yet for whatever reason they don't get involved with the Perth glory, whether it's to support or whether it's what, what in whatever capacity it might be. Does Perth glory, is it, is it a simple issue of just a poor PR uh, problem within the Perth glory? Is that the way that you see it, Tommy? Oh, um... I'm not sure. Um, I think more could possibly be done, but I'm I'm not sure whether a PR campaign would um, necessarily transfer rusted on MPL fans and, and juniors and, and and people perhaps such as Neil who have vested interest in other clubs to 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 come on a more regular basis. I don't think it's quite that simple. Neil, does Perth Glory have a PR problem? Yeah, it has one for years. Nobody mm. takes them seriously. That's the thing. You look at the successfully run organisations around around uh, Western Australia, and it's the example that gets used the whole time. Look at the Wildcats, right? Mm. They're not they're not the Eagles, they're not the Dockers, they're not in that frame of top tier sporting organisation. They're on a bit more of a micro scale, playing in a in a decent sized arena. But they've had sustained, sustained, sustained success, and yes, look, success will will bring people through the gates. There's no argument about that. It will get you full houses. It will get when the Eagles uh, had the, were wooden spooners. I think around 2010 or so, you could walk up to the stadium and grab a ticket on the day. It was easy to get in. Sporting fans are fickle across the board. It's not something that's specific to Perk Glory or to football. However. Glory's issues compared to those other organisations off the field have made them a bit of a laughing stock. We've I just mentioned the salary cap. We had the Jim Aylward selling for crypto. We've had so many, so many just things that have made you cringe. The the comments from the owner when he gets interviewed and talking out of turn and the embarrassment he's made of his own media department with the way he speaks. All of this sort of stuff adds up and it gets to a tipping point for people. And yeah, they have a massive PR problem. It's like it's one step forward and 15 back Mm. every season from that perspective. And we've gone through so many CEOs and plenty of them have have done a really good job, but they can only do so much when the the club's name is tarnished in the way it has been. It's going to be a long way back for Perk Glory. And I I actually think going back to where we, we just spoke about putting an expansion team, if an expansion team was put into WA, that could possibly sig- signal the end of Per Gloria uh, 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 as what we've known it and, and you know, being the top dog because there's enough people disenfranchised to shift across and say, well, hey, we're, we're done with that. Let's see if we can build something new. Mm-hmm. And and while I'm, I'm an old school traditionist and your club is your club and you stick with them through thick and thin, kids these days are more into following players, for example. You know, people follow Messi or they follow Ronaldo or they follow personalities, Mbappe, Griezmann, players like that. They don't necessarily care that Griezmann moved from Barcelona to Atletico Madrid or Mbappe's mm-hmm. playing at PSG and may move to Real Madrid 
they, they follow the, the characters and, and they're not as, as loyal to clubs. And that, again, is something that could be dangerous for a club like Perk Laurie unless they get their house in order. Um, I just want to bring that up. And there's been plenty of excuses made about what's happening at Perth Glory this year. And we know that they've had it bad. But, I mean, when you talked about the Wildcats there, it reminded me that they actually put something up on their Facebook today celebrating the fact that they've got 12,000 members for this season. I guess, Tommy, it just goes to show that, I mean, despite everything, and they're not that Perth Glory is not the only WA team who's gone through tough times. It, it can be done. They, you can be successful. You can keep people on board. You can keep your members relatively happy under difficult circumstances. And I guess it's clear to say that maybe Perth Glory hasn't done that this year. Yeah, and and with the Wildcats, they've also been an extremely successful organisation for the last. However many years mm. are how is it twenty years in a row they've they've qualified for finals and they've they've won numerous titles they've got players such as as Bryce Cotton who are who are great ambassadors as as import players with the local community who who are loyal as well to the club and and that all sort of helps and and that gives fans a reason to to, to attach you attach yourself as a supporter to to, to those types of players so, sort of. Kind of a little bit what Neil was saying with regards to how people latch on to players these days, particularly younger people um, or kids growing up. But you, you can see who your icons are, I suppose, already when you, when you when you are a Wildcat supporter. I'm not necessarily sure nowadays who 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 the kids in this generation are looking up to at the Glory because mm. the, the turnover is just so frequent. And, and you want to see a player, possibly a younger player, come through the system. But then when you do have a young player, such as a Josh Rawlins, who comes through and, and who's a, and who's a likeable performer on the pitch, then um, you hear the news that he that he's off um, overseas to, ta- to chase an opportunity. And um, again, that's that's just another thing, isn't it? It's that it's that lack of foresight that that perhaps whilst we should be probably getting another year or two out of Josh Rawlins and, and seeing him grow, seeing him develop, seeing the kids sort of look up to him as a player who's come through the system from a very young age of the glory. He, he's going to disappear off the radar and the next person's going to have to sort of come through from there. Mm. Um, just, uh, just on yeah. that thing about, just on the thing about icons and mentioned about Bryce Cotton for me, glory's equivalent to Bryce Cotton was Diego mm. Castro. And as much as I loved Castro as a footballer and how amazing he was to watch on the pitch and he's the best player I've seen play for glory in the flesh over a period of time. He did nothing uh, off the field. Um, there was never, there was never really shown up to, you know, kids camps or training sessions or anything like that. He wasn't marketed, you know, and, and, and that to me is, is, is being the bugbear f- with, with a lot of the stuff, not just with glory, but even the A-League as a whole, when they bring in players, it, it, and it, it's exactly what, what similar with Sturridge now. Yes, the guy is injured, but he can, his hand is still working. He can still sign autographs. You know, the, the, this is the sort of thing that if we're talking about creating these icons and creating a brand and creating that, that recognition of a, of a per glory player and kids, kids love getting the names on the back of a shirt, right? They'll go, you see them all running around with Ronaldo's, and and everybody all the all the English uh, Salah, I meant the Salah shirts you see and walking around, but but you don't see glory shirts with names in the back. 
you might see a glory shirt, mm. but you don't see it with names in the back. You know, you want somebody you, you want somebody to be going in and saying, I have to have a Castro shirt because Castro was at their training session on a Tuesday night and he came down for an hour. And, I, and look, people will turn around probably now and point out the, the couple of occasions where he went to a, a grassroots club and said hello, but the guy was here for six years. You know, we didn't have him front and center of everything and trying to build that. And that's for, for me, that to me is, a, is one, it's cheap because he's in-house and he should, he's living here. It's easy to, to get in places and to be involved and be on posters. Uh, and two, it's he's a brilliant player. So he's the equivalent of Cotton. In um, what Bryce Cotton has done with the Wildcats, absolute superstar. And it's been brilliant to watch him here year on year. And it's the exact same with Castro. But we didn't see Castro marketed enough by Perk Glory to, to, to make him some... Castro could walk down Murray Street and people wouldn't know who he is. They mm. think he was just a Spanish bloke on holidays. You know, realistically, you wouldn't mm. know who he was. And that, to me, is a big failing of, of glory in the league as a whole. Yeah, I certainly, I certainly take your point, mate. If I, if Sturridge is unavailable to be able to play, then I'm not sure why he's not out doing, you know, getting down to local junior uh, soccer training and everything like that. I mean, that's what you're paying him for. You're not paying him to sit inside the Crown Casino and go and drop, a, you know, 100k on the uh, Baccarat table on a nightly basis as it's been reported so yeah it does it gets on my bugbear as a club as well um i i i guess i don't want to turn this into a, i guess a pile on uh, to finish up lads but i guess the recurring theme here that we've put it out on the social media the recurring theme it's been reported in the west australian the recurring theme here seems to be surrounding tony sage and his ownership i'm just going to throw this one at you david on twitter says uh, that his biggest concern is an owner who threatens to leave but never does complains about there being no other buyers about him while actively driving the club into an unattractive state neil you mentioned uh, tony's i guess um, I guess the fact that he, he can very rarely resist to come out when there is a media opportunity there. We all we often find ourselves cringing and I, I guess a little bit kind of, you know, I wonder what he's going to say now kind of style. And this has happened for many, many years as well. And I guess that's his prerogative as the owner of and the chairman of the club as well without realising possibly the damage that's being done. Um uh, Neil, what what needs to happen with this? Is it a fact? Uh, have we got to the point now that we just need to say goodbye to Tony Sage and and that's the end of that? Is is that you know? I mean, providing there is a and uh, I guess a buyer incoming as well. Is is that the point that we're at at the moment? I'll just I'll start, I'll start my point with a question. Mm. Uh, how many um, A League owners can you name off the top of your head? For me, it's it's few and far between mm. that I can, I can list. If I was to look through the clubs and list the owners, I'd struggle. Um, when the Josh Rawlins news broke last week, it, it broke because uh, Tony Sage had spoken to a friend in the media who he's pally with, and a story went out that Josh Rawlins was moving to Holland. Yeah, and from what we've subsequently heard what I was subsequently told is that Josh Rawlins didn't know anything about it until uh, until it came, he found out that same day after Sage had already spoken to the media and put the story out there. Now, that isn't any way to run a club. Mm. It's not the first time Tony Sage has spoken to the media and his own staff have not known what's going on. Um, that sort of thing is, is problematic. Uh, it causes issues in-house and it causes issues for supporters. If people want to buy Perth Glory, why would they want 
to be working alongside somebody who is like that. So what you're left with is a situation where somebody would want to take on Glory who have no assets. They don't own their own ground. They don't own a training facility. And they would want to be able to put their own stamp on the club. And that could be anything, right, for all we know, because we know it's a franchise system. They can come in and change the name. They could change the badge. They could change everything else if they really wanted to. Now, the problem we've got is, and this is, again, what's what's being reported, is that Tony Sage doesn't want to relinquish full control of the club. Now, if you're an investor, as I've mentioned already, with with Sage's checkered past and his his love for for speaking out of turn, um, because he's the owner and feels he can do whatever he likes, uh, who's going to come in and work under those circumstances and conditions? The answer is probably nobody. So we're we're at a we're at a, a roadblock here where something has to give, and and it's not at the moment. One of two things has to happen: uh, an investor has to come in and be happy to work alongside Tony Sage, which he's been trying for for years and hasn't gotten any and it's pretty obvious why or Sage holds his hands up and goes I've tried everything I can I can. I've lost money hand over fist I need to sell up completely and if he was to do that I think there's a possibility that somebody would, would see Glory as an attractive possibility mm. nobody goes into football ownership to make money All right, you, you know when you go into the, this game that you're going to lose uh, in terms of finances what people go into it for is the, the prestige and the, the trophies and the adulation of supporters and it's a power trip so there could be somebody who's willing to do that, but I don't think they'd be willing to do it with Tony Sage. So until one or the other gives, we're stuck. Yeah, I guess it was also too, uh, just just to clarify a little bit about the Josh Rowland situation, uh, Phil Moss came out on the coverage yesterday, talked about this and said that uh, Josh Rawlins will go end up at Utrecht, according to Phil Moss. He also said that Perth Glory... Uh, contrary to what Tony said on FTBL and that uh, that particular discussion was the fact that he will go on a free transfer, in fact, because his contract's up in June. So uh, this club, Utrecht, as it's uh, supposed to be, will not pay a transfer fee. However, they will have to pay a development fee. So I guess when this comes out in the media, Tommy, you just as a fan, you just like you got to scratch your head and go, hold on a second. How does this get so mixed up and and so miscommunicated when even the player, as Neil suggests, doesn't even know what the story is? Well, yeah, and that that kind of sums it up. I don't really know what more I can add to mm. that, other than um, as I as I sort of hit on before, it's just it's just a lack of foresight on in a number of on a number of levels. Um, when when news like this does come around, um, people have a strategy. In with regards to how they're going to break a story or a piece of news or inform the fans what's going on, that 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 is a strategy in itself, which seems like a pretty simple strategy to have. You, you get all your ducks in a row, you release the news, and, and you do it in a in a way which um which is which is it's controlled um by the club. Um, and then I suppose that that's that's a minor thing. But then to, to go back on on Rawlins further, um, he, he's a young player who's come through the system, and and yet um, he he's playing first team minutes. He's become a first team regular, and whether whether he's been offered another contract or not's another thing. But the fact that his contract seemingly expired and that the glory aren't. Um, going to make as much money as they should have out of a player who they've invested so much time in over the years. I remember calling him in, um, calling games that he was playing in back in the NPL back in, I think it might have been 2018, mm. 
when he when he was coming through with the Perth Glory then, and so they've invested a lot of time into the player. And, and by the sounds of it, if if what we're to believe is true, they're going to get a minimal return for him, and and that that just that just stinks of a lack of of foresight. And and it's not as as it's just not the right way to to, to do things. So I, that, that that's a, a matter both on the field and off it. Yeah, I, I guess it's a prime, uh, just another example of how it's. I guess uh, these things are just uh, falling by the wayside, and and I guess little details that aren't just being uh, being pulled up uh, as far as uh, the club goes. I, I guess we'll start to wrap this up, guys, because we can go on. And I don't, didn't want to turn this into a vinge fest, but I just needed to. I guess it was important that we did go through a few things and uh, let the let the fans have a bit of a, a bit of a, a say on the on the podcast as well. Um, I, just a quick one. Um, I, I guess, Neil, I just want to go back to Tony's comments today that, um, you know, Melbourne Victory was in a bit of a spot last year and um, he said that they uh, stood by the club, which I'm not sure it's 100% correct, but he's just, I guess it's a way to urge Perth Glory fans to stick by the club. Um, where do we where do we go moving forward, do you think, in, in the, I guess, the next 12 to 18 months? Where do, where do you see the club? Uh, I see us going around and around in circles, um, to be honest. I've just pulled up an article here, and I'll read the headline so you can see if this sounds familiar. Perth Glory fans call for owner Tony Sage to quit the A-League club. The date on that article, April 18th, 2015. Mm. Okay. Sorry, Cap. So it is a week short of the seven-year anniversary of that headline <laughs> being written around the salary cap saga with FFA. Okay? So... We've done this before. That's the that's the whole point around the apathy, okay? People have been angry. They've been frustrated. They've been passionate. They were did all of those things seven years ago, okay? We, you, you can only push people to the limit so many times, and nothing has changed because we had our little peak, and as I said, we had that success under Popovich. But we're back again. Mm. With it, I, if, if, I, if I, I'm going to put that headline out uh, on Twitter, and I was like, it's... It's exactly the same thing that's been written today. Per Glory fans call for only to owner Tony Sage to quit A-League Club. Nothing has changed in seven years. So do I think anything's going to change in the next 12 to 18 months? Not until, as I mentioned before, one of those, one of those things happens. Sage gets an investor or Sage leaves. Mm. Interesting. Uh, Tommy, I guess it's not all doom and gloom uh, in one respect because, I mean, uh, and we'll, I guess we'll throw a little to a little bit of positive news coming out of the MPL, and that is the Perth Glory MPL side, which despite having many players elevated to that senior side, are actually ticking along okay at the moment. They are, yeah. Um, they had a 3-0 win at the moment, uh, at the weekend, sorry, against Sterling Macedonia, and and I think I've spoken with you on, a pre- on, a, on another show, Blaine, but these... This this glory team is definitely the wild card of the MPLWA this season. We we don't know which players are going to come back after A League men's duties, um, and, and whether they're just going to fit into the squad. Um, we've seen players like Kieran Bramwell play A League minutes uh, this season. He, he he scored at the weekend. He scored a double against Inglewood a few weeks ago. So that they've definitely got players to add back, and that there is a reason. There is no reason why they couldn't mount a strong challenge for a top four, four position as they did last season. I think they're a little way off possibly your Floriots and your Perth Red Stars based on what we've seen at the start of the season. But whilst whilst they do offer a, a little bit of light, um, it, it kind of just shows that there is a gap. That there is a gap between the MPL and the A-League. And 
Obviously, giving MPL players an opportunity at senior level is something that's good. But as we've hinted on before, they've got to be put into the right environment to be able to thrive. And they're just not being in that, being put in that position at the moment. So it is unfortunate. And I feel sorry for, for Ruben Zadkovic and for Richard Garcia as well, um, previously, who, who, who had done a lot of good work with these um, with these players who have come through the academy and have been a part of it. But... Mm. That's obviously just not translating at the moment to performances on the pitch at senior level for a number of reasons, and it, and it, and and I just hope that that those players who have sort of been on the fringes of the A League and the NPL in that sort of in between bracket aren't just completely discarded. Um, a little bit like someone like Richard Garcia as well, who has done a, a who did do a good job um, with the academy previously. I, I hope that someone like him isn't lost to football completely. And I hope that some of these players do also get the opportunity to possibly come back in the preseason. Some of them won't, of course, some of them may drop to the NPL. Some of them may go to other NPL clubs, as we've seen with a number of the, um, the, the players in the, at the Perth Red Star team this season and other NPL teams who picked up former glory Academy players, but on, under, a, under a better structure, and under better circumstances, in a better environment where there's possibly a technical director or possibly a director of football and somebody that's guiding that process from the bottom of the club all the way through to the top, then maybe you can start creating a, a clearer pathway. And, and there is a better way for these players to continue to improve. And so when they do step into that first-team scenario, they, they aren't completely... Um, sort of just sort of thrown at it in, in a sense and, and 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 unfortunately that's what we're seeing at the moment but um, look there's there's obviously nothing to be too um, excited about at the moment it's a pretty bleak outlook now going to the end of the season change does need to happen in the off season whether that's with Tony Sage or not is another thing and that's something we won't know until the end of the season I suspect um, but as Neil's hinted on before it's, it's it's very difficult at the moment it's a real long way back from now and look if if the, the glory have got to do something because as we've touched on before as well there are other clubs out there who are making upgrades and they are investing in facilities and they are showing ambition we've seen mergers recently as well and yet the glory still don't have a home and this is all part of the identity crisis and this is all part of everything that's all sort of been knotted together so yeah i know that's a very long-winded conclusion from myself and i don't know whether you guys have any final thoughts to finish um but obviously it's not particularly good at the moment i think we're all in the same boat when we say we just can't wait for the season to end and, and hopefully there's some brighter light in the off season and beyond yeah, very well done, mate. Uh, appreciate that as uh, some of your final thoughts. Uh, Neil, anything else to add, mate, before we wrap her up? Uh, no, I think it's all been said, and I think we're probably going to go over the same points over the next few months as well. As Tommy says, can't wait for the season to end. There's really no no positives for me to take out of uh, what's unfolded over the last few weeks. It's slowly but surely gotten worse, and um, I, think, I think big changes are needed. And again, it's setting these young kids up for success because playing in a team that could conceivably lose, you know, its next five as well, uh, on top of what's already happened, is going to be a killer for these uh, these young players. They need to be looked after. 
and they'll need to be picked up. And, and wherever they end up, whether that is at NPL clubs, whether they get an opportunity in their A-League club or stick of glory, um, they're going to be... It, it, it's character building for them in, in one way, but it's incredibly challenging for them at a young age to, to go through that. Um, because I, I know that the uh, the abuse and the, the ire of the fans is not necessarily directed at them, but you can be sure that they're feeling it as well. Mm. They're the ones that are representing the club on the pitch, wearing the shirt, and, and are losing those games. So it is going to affect them. And I think there's a bit of duty of care there as well around these guys um, who have come in and all they're doing is doing a job that they've been asked. They've, they've taken their opportunity to play football and if they're not good enough or, or whatever it may be, that's not their fault. No one's going to say, no, don't pick me to play. They're good on them for giving it a, a crack. But yeah, it's not been um, very good to watch. It's been difficult and I think everybody's hurting from it. And all I can hope is that we there is a plan in place to address uh, the, the complete overhaul. It's a chance to reset now. You can't get relegated and you can't get any lower than worst in the A-League. So the only way is up in theory um, in practice yeah we've just got to hope that's the case and that there is a plan the, the reason we're having these discussions and the reason we're talking now and the reason people are interacting with us on social media is because we do care unfortunately uh, we're, we're the numbers are starting to dwindle in that regard from what I can see and the, the apathy is is, uh, is setting in a lot more so there needs to be a massive change this off season and if there isn't we could find ourselves in a, in a in a pickle in terms of actually having a club to support. Mm, yeah, very well said. Appreciate those thoughts. I, yeah, I just totally agree that uh, change needs to come. Uh, I think. Uh, what do they say about the old definition of insanity? Keep doing the same thing you'll always uh, always have done. You'll keep getting what you've always got. And I'm going to leave it there, guys. Really appreciate your time. Really appreciate everyone for jumping on. Apologies for those questions, comments that we didn't get to, but hopefully we gave everyone a little bit of insight, uh, fellas. Neil, thank you very much. No problem. Appreciate the, the call-up for the uh, the Monday edition. No worries at all. Tommy, thank you very much as always, mate. Thanks, Blaine. Hopefully, maybe we can just have one more win to end this season on some sort of high. Yeah, maybe. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be good? Don't forget, you can check us out on social media, Facebook, uh, Twitter, and the likes. And also, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. This will be up, uh, hopefully, uh, soon. It'll be all posted all over the social media. So tell all your mates about it, and we will chat very, very soon. Until next time, enjoy your football. Enjoy your football.